1: Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy.
2: Welcome back to another We're All a Little Crazy podcast. I'm Darren Ravel, joined as always by Eric Hewson and Theo Fleury, and we have two special guests this week. Uh, This week in mental health and mental health discourse uh, was a big week. Um, Naomi Osaka saying that she... Uh, didn't, at least initially, and we'll talk about this, Eric, uh, to start, but initially she didn't want to do post-match press conferences. She was uncomfortable with it. She's fined $15,000, and the next thing we know, she is out of the French Open and Roland Garros on her own volition. Um, So it has generated so much talk around the mental health community, around the community at large, uh, and it is a great opportunity for us to do what we do, which is delve in. So Eric, why don't we uh, start quickly with the events and then I'll allow you to
1: introduce our guests. Sure. So, I, you know, I, I thought the best way to start this off would be to give the X's and O's without any opinion whatsoever. So I'm, I'm laughing as I, as I say this. I know we didn't introduce them, but incredibly, we have Pam Triver, We've got Prims Repipat on the call with us. Uh, two titans of the the tennis world, uh, the women's tennis world also um and and to run through this and, and the reason why I couch that initially is to say if if as I'm going through this or right when I'm done, you all don't agree with how I represented just the facts of the events as they took place, please chime in. But I tried to be as kind of <laughs> a, uh, a opinionated as possible. So you've got a 23-year-old tennis player who's the world number two. She, she won the US Open, right, as a 20-year-old and has shared publicly that she suffered with depression since then. Has won four grand slams uh, uh, in her career up until this point. So on Wednesday, leading up to this French Open, the day before the Open began, she announces on her social media channel that she is not going to participate in post-event press conferences to protect her mental health. Now, according to the chronology of how all this went, Roland Garros had tried to reach out both to Naomi and to her team to discuss this, to ask her how she was doing, to see if there were accommodations that could be made and no responses were given. And so the four majors got together, the Australian, the French, Wimbledon, US Open, and they released a joint statement, um, partially supporting and understanding the mental health challenges of players, but partially reminding uh, Naomi and other players of the media obligations that exist, um, mentioning that she was going to be fined $15,000 and that, you know, they, they quoted certain codes of conduct that exist in the bylaws, uh, the, even the potential of expulsion from the sport, if she continued to miss media appearances since then both the player naomi and the tour french open and the four majors have a release statement saying they look forward to working together on how to make changes to the overall media landscape and post-event press conferences and just general player media relationship that exists that that would be best for everyone so at least as a starting point there i'll, I'll throw it to to Pam and to Prim. Prim, maybe I'll start with you first since you got an early exit. Did I did I lay the groundwork there? Is that Are those the events as you understand them?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think the thing, the order and um, the chronological order of everything is really important. I think I would have moved the depression aspect a little later in the story because that was something that was revealed after the fact, after she pulled out of the French Open and she posted her second um, her her second situation on, on social media. But my initial reaction after her first part was admittedly conflicted. And this is coming from somebody who is, as you guys know me, as a huge mental health advocate, a huge mental health ambassador. I'm going back to school. I'm redirecting my career so I can dedicate the rest of my life to helping athletes um, with, within the mental health space. But I was admittedly conflicted because I wasn't really sure what to to make of this you know because i think what made it so confusing also was the fact that of course there's that mental health side where i was like okay well of course we want to be respectful of that and i am completely supportive of that but then on the other side then we also have um the news about her coming out over the last 12 months she's the highest paid female athlete ever. Um, she's declining to talk to any of the media and all this other stuff. And on, on one hand, I also feel like it is an obligation as well. There's a responsibility. And because of the media that has helped given us and talking about female athletes, the platform, but the psychologist in training and me was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to wait this out. I'm not going to say anything on social media. I'm not going to do what, what our landscape tries to tell us to do is to spit out an opinion and just make assumptions when we don't know the entire story so I was like you know what I'm gonna give her the benefit of doubt this sounds like there's more to this situation and clearly there was and then after the second post then I was like okay now there we have a little bit more context yeah. um and obviously the plot thickens so and
1: there were a lot of people prim that that did Public figures that dove in right away without waiting on an opinion, without waiting on more of the facts to come in. I guess, Prim, the reason I brought up the depression thing earlier is only because Naomi's been a little bit outspoken or seeming reserved, oftentimes um, feeling timid when it comes to to interactions with media, and so maybe I'm projecting there a little unfairly in terms of what she did reveal early versus not. Pam, uh, uh, you obviously have incredible perspective on this. You know, as you hear Prim talk and you hear the events as they played out, wh- what was some of your first reactions, maybe, maybe starting with when she made the announcement on social media on Wednesday?
3: Well, I thought it caught a lot of people off guard, um, and that is never a good thing. Um, obviously, I immediately looked at the language and uh, knowing Naomi and understanding her as a shy introvert, knowing the pandemic has been brutal on many people's mental health i i I did feel she was making even though it wasn't as clear as it was as prim mentioned in her second post when it became much more clear but i really felt it was about uh some mental health issues Um, but from the french open rolling garros standpoint you're trying to put on an international sporting event during a global pandemic you're already stretched beyond and you get thrown a curveball surprise by one of the superstars of the game, I would have been not happy either. It should have been um, told to them privately and uh, not to the 2.2 million followers on her Instagram. Uh, That was not good business. And I think Naomi apologized in her posts where she withdrew. Overall, the most important thing is she worked on her mental health. She gets she gets better and then um i hope the majors learned a lesson
1: diving into into that um you know the statement about her making a decision and just making the decision and announcing it on her instagram channel the way that she did i think yes her 2.2 million followers but then in a topic like mental health we know it's going to spread way wider than that it's going to you know capture the whole sports world it's going to capture much of the world outside of the sports world Uh, and capture their attention. So, you know, as, as two folks who are in the tennis world, and it sounds like there's some agreement there in terms of how it was handled initially, what were you thinking when you saw other public figures chiming in and just coming to her defense before more information playing out? I know, you know, I'll bring up a Steph Curry as one example. It was immediately we had public figures in the sports world coming to her defense before we had more of the information playing out. And by the way, what might sound like a leading question coming from me, I, I think the context, much like Prim shared, we're a mental health organization and charity, right? But we also wanna make sure there's positive and collaborative change that takes place across this space. So as you're seeing these other public figures chiming in, what are you thinking as you're reading those posts?
0: Um, I was completely fine with it. It was not surprising to me. Um, It's also not surprising the fact that, you know, you see other athletes supporting Naomi. So I think that was just gonna be a kind of given. I think I, I am a proponent of support. I am not a proponent of chastising and degrading and tearing down somebody and completely rejecting somebody when we haven't heard the whole story. So I think I was more resistant to the noise that was immediately attacking her. And I agree with Pam that I think that when her, not only when Osaka, but also her entire team, and she has got a massive team around her. And when they look back at this moment, this is going to be a huge growth spurt for them, because I think they're going to look back at this and say, you know what, there were some things that we could have really handled a little bit better. Um, and as we know, with mental health matters, it can be very complicated. So. Uh, that's not really necessarily anyone's fault. But I think there are some things that could have been um, taken care of a little bit better. But hearing the support, not a surprise. The people that were tearing her down wasn't a fan of that. Uh,
1: and, and I don't think any of us are advocating for the tear down. And, and I, I just want to thank Prim because Prim got to us in between spots she was doing during a time when when both Prim and Pam are, um, are uh, you know, in high demand right now because this topic is so important. So I'm gonna take what Prim said, Pam, and I'm gonna throw it back to you, maybe ask a little bit more poignant of a question, diving deeper into it. A lot of these athletes and public figures that did come to her support play in sports or in public spaces where either they themselves or their teammates or other athletes within their sport have been fined for the same reason, because there are rules in place do know that there are media obligations that are part of this. And still, before hearing all the information played out, I understand support. I understand having people's back. I understand moving the conversation forward. But without all the information coming out, it was blind support right from the beginning. Did you have an opinion on that piece of it, Pam?
3: Well, as far as the rule goes about press conferences that's uh, in the Grand Slam rulebook, Naomi knew she was going to get fined. What I think surprised Naomi, her team, was that they were going to bring in the code of conduct. And once they brought in that possibility, which is an irony because the code of conduct on the court was what got Serena into so much trouble in that most controversial major final ever that Osaka won beautifully. Um, But I don't think in a million years they thought that the grand slams would issue code of conduct Uh, steps for something that happens off the court when Osaka said she'd pay the fine. So that took it to the next level. um, And that was the point of no return. Um, And I think even the majors, I actually wrote the USTA the morning, well, hours before Naomi withdrew, just saying, this is not right to be this unsympathetic, insensitive to, to an athlete struggling with mental health. And I was glad I actually weighed in before she withdrew because um, I thought it was important. That's my national governing body is the USTA. So that's who I weighed in. And
2: I, so Pam, I, let, me, let me let me get in for a second, okay. Eric. Um, as someone who's an advocate of mental health, obviously, you know, i I had a chance to be with Naomi for a meal, uh, which was not on the record or was, was not like me. A time where as a journalist, I was judging her in any way, but I was judging her and she was extremely quiet, uh, like so quiet that I was like, something's wrong. I didn't read it as mental health in any way. I just said, oh, she, she, you know, she's just quiet. She's just quiet. And I even uh, kind of held that against her, you know, when talking about what I do, which is marketing. And she's now, you know, the highest female uh uh, in terms of endorsements, in, in terms of how much money she's made in endorsements, and I'm then forced to judge, is she a good partner? Well, she's so quiet. And and so, so I didn't, even though I am on the lookout for mental health, I did not initially read, and I feel guilty now, I did not initially read her quietness reservation in a meal with me and her agent as anything to do with mental health. It was just she's quiet, she's not outgoing. And so when she said all of this, I felt guilty. So I feel like I need to take that off my chest.
1: Well, I you know, Darren, you wrote that in your tweet. And I think you um you aptly shared for people that millionaire athletes doesn't matter the sport, millionaire performers doesn't matter what the performance is, can perform in front of large crowds. Whether it be in person or on TV, and still struggle with things like the social anxiety of being in front of cameras, or in your case, being close to people in a small room and having to make uh, chit chat and, and small conversations. Nothing so, to
2: do. Nothing to do with money. Doesn't matter right. how much money you have. Nothing to do with confidence on the court. Two bifurcated things.
1: Yes. And and look, you know, we've seen that with Ricky Williams going all. If you want a real visual example, of that of. Taking interviews with his helmet on, and people would call him quirky for doing that. But you know, for those of us who struggled, you know, with social anxiety at times in our lives, or for long stretches of our lives, or you know, for the for the duration of our lives, we understand what that feeling is like, almost to need that barrier there. I wanted to go back to Pam because she was talking about writing the USTA. Uh, Pam, going to the timing of that, you wrote the USTA prior to their joint release with the other three no, majors? No. Or- I,
3: I wrote it after the release. The release, I believe, came out on Sunday because then Monday, Osaka withdrew in L.A. where I live. It was like mid, late morning. So I woke up Monday morning Memorial Day, and it was bothering me. The statement was bothering me, the bringing up the code of conduct. And the possibility of defaulting her really bothered me. So I was like, "Who am I going to write?" And I thought, "Well, you know, I've been a member of the USTA since I was eight years old. I've been on the board of directors of the USTA. i am am a I'm a 35-year volunteer. I'll write to the uh, to the you know the the president and the CEO uh, and the chairman of the board, two um, two gentlemen that sit at the top. And I just I just said what I felt." And then I went to a Memorial Day picnic, and then when I finished the picnic, picked up my phone, like all of us in the tennis business, it was like, uh-oh, what's happened? Um, so, yeah, I but I weighed in the day after they made the statement. And I always like to kind of think about things overnight, and I realized I was just really upset with how the establishment handled it, or mishandled it.
1: So—, so- dissecting a little bit that um statement and then we're gonna we'll go to theo for some opinions here coming from a different sport but pam dissecting that statement i know you mentioned you know the code of conduct it was was almost being used as kind of like dangling it like you know act our way or 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 else right you know um and and outside of that the wording in in the press release itself did, did you find that there were some pieces that were better than others I, this is where we're getting to the opinion piece of it did you feel like the whole tone was wrong um you know wh- where would you uh, reading it again as an advocate i was happy that they at least said we're open to discussing with players in a collaborative way how we make the situation better for everyone which you know people could say they're talking out of both sides of their mouth in the same press release i totally get that but the, but but at least there was that give on their part as opposed to saying you're being fined here's the potential code of conduct uh, uh ramifications said and done you know the end of it
3: well i i thought their last statement after she withdrew they backed up a lot on their language they were they were much softer which was understandable um i think they felt about then they heard from i think a lot of people like like me uh, and other people, like this wasn't handled well. Why did they throw gasoline on the, on the flames like that? Um, instead of go going under the under the under the scenes quietly, figure this out. Even if, even if it took the entire French Open and the weeks leading up to Wimbledon, but this is like the worst thing that could have happened was Naomi feel like she's backed into a corner. It, it, Naomi felt that she had almost uh, hijacked the Roland Garros. All everything was about Naomi. And it made her even more uncomfortable. So I you know, I I just hope this doesn't turn into like avoidance of major tennis tournaments now with the Olympic with Wimbledon coming up the Olympics. I'm uh, my big question going forward is how is she in the world gonna get herself back into the arena?
1: Right. And as we're as we're going through this, you know, here's the fascinating piece about this is we're discussing the actions that were taken by Naomi initially. By her team initially, by the four grand slams. By, right by the after. way,
2: Eric, 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 yeah. by the way, I think there is something different there. I do think there was a conflict between Naomi, what she initially wanted to do and what her team wanted to do. Um, and that kind of manifested itself with
1: what she originally did and what she ultimately did. Is but- that a is that a is that an, a guess there and a gut feel, or is that something you've heard? <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but
2: uh it is a informed opinion based on what i've okay. personally heard okay. that's fair and, and and the and the fact and the fact that what she put out secondarily was something that was very very prepared and put together and was not completely driven by her uh i know this um so but 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 i would say yeah listen it was it was not handled right from from the beginning and that hurt and it hurts in mental health in any way if it doesn't go perfect but guess what it never goes perfect pam there's never going to be a perfect situation that's one of the reasons that's one of the things we've learned whenever you're admitting to mental health whatever the whatever the side is whatever however society embraces it, it doesn't embrace it it's never a perfect time it is perfect though in the way that it caused such a firestorm that now we're hearing so much and being forced to talk about it in this way and everyone is. So I am grateful for that.
4: But it's but it's typical of where we're at in all professional sports leagues, businesses, everything is we are always reactive and never proactive and and if they and if we were more proactive, we wouldn't even be reading about this and this wouldn't be as big as it is if we were more proactive instead of reactive. And this is a typical case of reaction in the second and in the moment. And what happens? Shit show. It's a shit show, you know, and, 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 and the person who needs the, the most help is Naomi, right? And all of her handlers are all giving different opinions and whatever. And they should be thinking, the USTA, Roland Garros, everybody should be thinking of, you know, how do we help this person? Because she's obviously in some sort of distress. And so now we just got to cover all of our asses to make ourselves look better. And, you know, and then you add the stigma piece on top of it. And here we are, you know, here we are.
3: I, I want to add something that my I have three teenagers, and I have a daughter who's shy and introverted at 15 and a half, who really identified with Naomi Osaka, the year Osaka first won Indian Wells, which was over three years ago. It was before she won her first U.S. Open. And my daughter is connected with Naomi, and it's been her favorite player. She doesn't even play. She doesn't, Caitlin doesn't even play that much tennis. And what a lot of us at ESPN during the Australian Open coverage from Bristol is that we realize that here is an athlete, a tennis athlete, tennis player who is connecting to younger people in a way that Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Serena really aren't doing. She is connecting to a younger generation. Like, does the sport realize how important that is at a time when younger people aren't really watching that much live sports as as, uh, other demographics? So I, I think I think like my daughter was upset how much news she was like, this is not what Naomi wants. She wants it to go away. Why? She was saying, Mom, why do you keep talking about it? She was really mad at me. So I just think um, that's another piece of this is that young people are watching how tennis plays this out.
1: Darren, look like you want to chime in there, but I, I certainly
2: got some takes. Tennis, what... t- tennis doesn't normally get. I mean, this is not a, a slight against tennis, but te- you know, I feel like uh, as as a sport, much like golf, with independent contractors, I think it's easier not to get things right. You know, everyone's in it for themselves, for the most part. Uh, when you have players' associations, when you have uh, unions that are powerful, I think it's it's a it's a lot different because you need to get everything together.
1: Well, and I think that's a great segue here, right? And, and Pam, I'll give you a little bit of background. Theo and Darren know this, but I started my career at the NBA league office and got thrust at a, at a young age, 22, 23 years old, until delivering what was called the business of basketball presentation to these players on these 30 NBA teams. And it, it was at the time when there were a lot of guys coming straight from high school before there was the, the one and done rule. And got an early education myself because then I had to share with the players on, hey, here's how basketball related income is generated, right? It comes from Interaction with season ticket holders, with general fans, with corporate partners, with media, the more that pie grows, the more your slice of the pie grows, which is your salary cap, which is a percentage of that overall pie. So if you want the salary cap to grow, we need the pie to grow. Right. And so in all of these sports for everyone listening, it might be obvious to the four of us who are on here because we live in it is there's a contract that exists where the athletes have an expectation to participate in the media. Right, uh, Whatever that means, Right, it's different for different sports in terms of what participate in the media is, but I wanted to at least bring that point up because some of the feedback that I've gotten privately from folks on our social media channels in terms of talking about mental health who are seeing it the other way, um, and, and I'll explain what I mean the other way, is they're saying, Eric, this is someone who, her job is playing tennis, her expectation is that she does these media appearances I'm all in support of her taking a day off, a week off, an entire tournament off to take care of her mental health. You know, Tangent to that, we've been very supportive of the Liz Cambridge story about DNP mental health being a designation in in, in basketball and any of the major sports that you can take off full days. But I think where people were having issues was I, as someone who struggle, I can't go into my office and say to my employer, I want to go to this meeting, but miss that corporate outing. I want to go to this presentation, but not go to that particular, you know, uh, 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 expectation that they have for me on that particular day. Right. And this picking of choosing when it's part of the athlete's job to do these things and being able to balance those two. Yeah, Pam, please.
3: Well, I, I, I want to take that point and just use some examples like my kids in L.A. County were home in school taking Zoom school most of the year. And schools ended up allowing a lot of accommodations, depending on what kind of student, you know, like how the student learned best. Like, w- were they okay with their camera on? Or could they, or did they, then they realized, you know what, the kids just can't keep looking at themselves on the camera. They got to turn the camera off, and, but still listen to the to the teacher. So, So accommodations in schools during the pandemic has been immense. Otherwise, honestly, a lot of kids wouldn't have gotten through this. Um, I feel that given the virtual nature of these press conferences, since the pandemic has been a contributing factor to somebody like Naomi Osaka's anxiety going in. So therefore, if they had the bandwidth, they'd come up with some other options, especially now that the pandemic is not at its worst. Like have two or three media people that she knows in a room as pool reporters asking questions in person. There's just to me, they just need to come up with some creative ways. So it's not all or nothing, but there are some options depending on the kind of I'm going to just say a school word, the kind of learner
1: you are. (laughs) Well, and Pam, to to your examples. Right. Uh, uh, Theo has kids in school. Darren has kids in school. And so I, I love the idea of accommodations. Right. I think where the interesting piece of this and where it blew up and why there's so many divergent opinions, it goes back to. Those learners in school didn't come out and say to the school, "I'm not coming on Zoom at this time, and I'm not doing this." right?" Not that they maybe necessarily had the leverage to do it, but there was back and forth that took place. And I guess I'm trying to look at this in a positive lens and say, though it didn't start out the right way. and and, and I think we've we've maybe maybe, you know, hit this enough times on on this talk is though it didn't start out the right way with respect to, the way that maybe Naomi would have liked to have initially talked about it, or the way, for, according to Darren and his his semi-insider uh, uh, information, might have the team might have wanted her to play it out differently. Where we're at right now is that collaboration can take place to make those accommodations. Pam, you gave some great examples of, let's pick three reporters she's comfortable with, right? The, I look at what happened during the pandemic and, and the way in which interviews had to be changed because you couldn't have a camera in front of someone's face. And I say, if we were able to make accommodations during that period, there's creative ways we can come up with changing the press experience or the media experience so that it's friendly to players and those who are struggling with their mental health are able to, to, to find the process easier while at the same time still getting fans still getting corporate partners, still getting everyone the information that they need. And, and maybe even, you know, dare I say, if we tweak it, get even better information because the players are more comfortable and it opens up more. Um, so so it looks like both Theo and Pam have something to say on that. So I'm going I'll, to, I'll, I'll pass over to you guys to chime in here. So
4: what I'm wondering, because i'm not following this story really close i'm obviously aware of it but you know there there had to be some indication that naomi was heading down this road and heading down this path and was this was this incident preventable from the people that you know have her ear right you know were they asking the right questions were they getting her you know the help that she needed, or did it just happen? You know what I mean. And so, um, because you know, I, I'm always about prevention and and not reaction. And you know, I I think you know, listening to all of you talk, I, I'm thinking that this is this could have been totally totally avoided if the people around Naomi were aware of the fact that she was, you know, taking a downward turn and getting her the help that she needed so that she could cope, you know, uh, through these big tournaments because there's some big tournaments coming up. Right. And, and so.
1: So, yeah. so Theo, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wrench in there. And I know Pammy's got something to, to add to that. It because to bring Darren into this conversation, because he does these things sometimes. Darren will admit to this. Darren has a take on something, and he'll throw a slight curveball into that take because it gets people talking. It he says it in a slightly different way that will be most socially acceptable, right? And so I I don't know that this was the case. I'm just going to throw it out there as a possibility. If Darren's saying that that Naomi's team might have handled this differently, was there an aspect of Naomi handling it at the beginning the way that she did, announcing it the day before, that she wanted conversation to take place this way? She was hoping to ruffle feathers a little bit. I have no idea. I, I'd like to believe not, right? Because we wanna believe when we're moving the mental health conversation forward, it's being done in a collaborative way. It's all people coming together. I just wanna throw that out there as a possibility, not not insinuating she did do it, but just as a possibility that it could have happened. <laughs> Darren, you're smiling.
2: You mean that she she uh, created
1: or they created the whirlwind so that so that we could be in this place? Well, I I don't mean I don't mean she would ever do it in a malicious way. That's not at all what I mean. What I mean is, hey, we need to make a statement to the powers that be at the four majors that it can't no, no, continue I, to go I, on this I, way. No, no, no.
2: I actually think this is okay. all genuine. I think it was. Okay. Pam described it was just a maelstrom and i think this was all genuine and it was like i just have no choice and we got to go forward i i don't i don't i do not think that it's like well this is what's going to get the attention i am going to bow out of the tournament and then they'll find out how how no, 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 not how the bow, bow out
1: part not the bow out part darren the, the part announcing wednesday on social media i'm not going to partake in media appearances not not what happened later uh,
2: I, I i i think that was just in the moment and uh, something that she and her team would probably take back in the way that it came out. It, I don't, it, it,
3: yeah, yeah it, Darren, I heard similar uh, pretty from really good sources um, that her agent rewrote her original uh, post and and made it more like the language of the second post, but then she ended up deciding to go with her own words. So I, I had heard the same thing that her team had tried to send it out a little differently. But I still hold for uh not going to the French Open officials and the FFT officials, French Federation, uh and giving them a heads up before the millions heard.
1: Yep. And, and you know, wh- where we're all getting to, which it sounds like because there's a bunch of different, you know, albeit similar, but slightly different opinions here is, you know, what what Pam says she wish would have happened at the beginning. I'd like to believe what we read in the latest press releases and the, and the latest statement that was read from Roland Garros that we're going to be getting to a place where these ideas that that Pam suggested, the three reporters that a a player knows or that I'm suggesting, um, that that becomes part of the process moving forward, that there's conversation of how we make these accommodations. And if we end up at that place where there are accommodations and it works for everyone, then yes, there were bumps in the road that got us to this point. And yes, we would have loved for it to gone differently, but I think that gets us to a good place. And the reason why I wanna share that is because still, and I think this is this is an important topic for us to discuss because even though we're discussing the construct of mental health and tennis right now, I think this happens in so many topics in society we talk about is that still, even after we have both of the statements from the athlete, from the majors coming out, talking about collaboration moving forward, you still have people on social media who wanna take sides and who wanna say, Naomi is superwoman. She did everything right the, the she she walks on water, um, you know, we need to support her. We weren't there for her and then you have people who say she's awful. the average person doesn't get these. Um, you know, these same accommodations for them? How how dare she expect things that the average person can't get? And instead of being able to say, look, there was good discussion, even if it wasn't the way we'd love it to start off, we were ending up in a good spot. You still have people to this day who have these polarizing views. Is this a microcosm of of topics in general, in terms of how we discuss them on social. And again, maybe I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here, but that's that's my fear in all of this. And that's why having these conversations and doing these podcasts in a long-form way is so important to me because to be able to get together and have people who see the sports world, the tennis world, society in general from slightly different angles. Because you got a sports executive, a reporter, former player, former athlete in different sport, all talking about it, you could at least say here's how we get to a better place. And that hopefully will combat the stuff that we're seeing right now on social.
3: Well, did you guys see Social Dilemma, the documentary yes. on purpose of, they do try to divide. That's the whole, that's the whole al- algorithm. So that's why like on important things, we still have to do it in person. We still have to pick up the phone. We still have to have one-on-one and that's been, I mean, we have to have interactions, which has been difficult during the pandemic. I mean, everything's just off, base, but yes. it'll, it will come back. But I, uh, that's another reason why I just think sports in general with athletes right now, you know, if, if something were to happen in another sport where an athlete stepped up in the, and the sport goes, well, that's unusual. What's going on? Take a pause, figure out, take yes. time, take, don't just jump in there. Um, it, it's, it's in time like we've never seen. And I, I just think it, it, it means that we all have to have more patience and understanding empathy and let it doesn't have to happen instantaneously to find mm-hmm. the solution mm-hmm. um, it can play out over time um, that's what I've learned with my teenagers is that I don't have but to force a solution
1: yep well and and, and Pam well, you're you know I know we're just getting to know each other on this call but what you're describing with what you saw in social dilemma is the reason why we created, same here, we're all a little crazy, is because the way from a societal perspective this topic has been talked about for so long, mental health specifically, and now what's going on in social media is they've created these binary uh, uh, categories. It's you're either sick and you're in the one in five mentally ill group, or you're healthy and fine and normal and okay and you're in the four and five group. And mental health exists across this continuum where it's all of us. And instead what we see in our feeds is if someone posts something about depression, depression 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 you see that and that person is this is what's wrong and this is what people don't understand about me and this is what no one will never will ever get and then we're not talking to and and i i i live this firsthand because i'm a sports executive who things are going well and then bam mental health hits me in the face and i see my, my brain stops functioning and that's because the messages didn't talk to me for so long i wasn't this mentally ill person right i didn't I didn't know that past experiences and traumas and challenging events that we live through cumulatively build in our system and impact us, right? And so it, I'll tell you what the some of the frustrating stuff on, on our side of things, Theo and I live this every day, is we put out information out there and it gets suppressed. There's no question what we're doing in terms of bringing people together and trying to to, to unify a message in this space. That's not what advertisers want. That's not what, what what people who are selling products want. We are more valuable. Not going to get conspiracy theorists here, but when we are alone and when we feel sick and when we feel like there's no other solutions but this thing that's out there. And and so 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 looking at what just happened with the Naomi situation and how social media is splitting us, it 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 almost It rares up my PTSD. (laughs) Not my PTSD related to past life events, but my PTSD related to what we're experiencing every day that we talk about mental health. People want to split us up.
3: Eric, I find it fascinating that you brought up this whole notion of the trauma and the untreated trauma and what can happen. I've done a bit of work on that as well during the pandemic and I've observed things in my kids. and, And when I saw that Naomi on her second post talk about, the trauma of that u.s open the most controversial major match in the history of tennis that she wasn't able to celebrate because of the crowd in new york and because of all that had happened with the chair empire and serena that was actually a trauma for her and i and we didn't realize that until she i mean i kind of look back i realized i was in the stadium i think that's really important for all of us to understand there are different kinds of trauma there's traumas that athletes can get Within the realm of competition, and boy, you better be prepared, just like getting over a physical injury. You better be prepared to get over that mental health injury
1: i see I see Darren beaming with joy, Pam, because what you're what you're describing there in terms of trauma being unique to each of us and something like an athlete on a stage, you know we we had a launch event at the end of two thousand and seventeen, and Tyler Hamilton, who was Uh, Lance Armstrong's top teammate was there and he shared we had a room together. Theo and I are meeting for the first time and we're bringing in Amanda Beard and all these, you know, world class athletes. And we just start sharing the stuff we've been through. And Tyler goes, when we went to ring the bell at the stock exchange after winning the Tour de France, it was the worst day of my life. I couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't feel anything from it. And I'm spinning in my head saying, why don't I why am I this is what I work for my whole life. Why am I not enjoying this? And and you know, Pam, I I, I love that you brought that up. I know you gotta leave soon, but I just wanted to say like to connect the dots and to hear someone who's as decorated as you, by the way, I'm coming back to you after this because this alliance that we have of athletes talking together, you get the bigger picture and I'd love to have you a part of what we're doing and what we've been building is to see you talk about that and to not only take that as this is what Naomi went through, but to be able to, to have the brain to say, wow, how does this relate to what my kids maybe have seen trauma? It hasn't been the same exact thing but if this is impacting Naomi this way, how does this impact my kids who are not such different ages, right? So anyway, last parting thoughts there from you. We'll probably continue a little bit after Pam, but well, I-, I co- appreciate-
4: COVID is the most traumatic event that's happened since World War II. So the majority of the population already has trauma. And now we've added another layer of trauma on top and we've taken away community and we've taken away uh gatherings and all that and so we've all been isolated and when we're isolated what happens we spend the whole entire time inside of our own head and that's the worst place you can be right because your brain is always 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 telling you stuff that's never going to happen and it just perpetuates this cycle of you know, emotional pain and suffering, emotional pain and suffering, depression, anxiety, you know, all these labels that are attached to the thing. And ultimately, all we need is please just give us our community back so that I have somewhere to go that I can hug people that I can talk to people. And, you know, the tennis world is like everywhere else. It's a community. Tennis is a community. And when you pull the community apart, trauma just is at the forefront of everything that's going on. And so, you know, uh, you know, I work in the space 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I have dealt more with suicide in the last eight months than at any time in the 13 years that I've been doing this, you know? And, and it's because, it's because relationship, relationship, relationship is the thing that is going to get us to a different place, to a different space where we're able to bounce shit off of people, where we're actually able to talk about our feelings, you know, and all that stuff. And right now we're just surviving. Everybody's just surviving day to day, trying to get, get through to get to the next day. And, and, you know, all this stuff keeps accumulating when it accumulates in the nervous system, shit chill.
3: <laughs> I, I, in my parting, uh, before I have to get off, I want to bring up a, a word that Naomi used in her last post, which is self care, and um, that's something that I've been in a twelve step program for fourteen years, and self care is really at the center of it. And self care doesn't mean like you know I'm going to go home and have a good healthy lunch and have a drink of water. It's it's about understanding the boundaries and understanding how to keep yourself as healthy as possible in all ways, given what you have to work with. Um, So I hope Naomi finds good self-care. It's a complicated time. I hope we all on the call just continue to work on taking care of ourselves. And it is a difficult time. And um, I appreciate you guys letting me on under these circumstances where I was driving back from one of my kids' schools back to home and uh, have me on again. I'd love it. It's really a great conversation. Thank you. And
2: appreciate you.
1: You you're awesome Pam and and we we're going to we're going to take advantage of that. So we will be in touch. Thank you. So for for Darren and Theo, right? Darren, you just put out a tweet. I think it's important for us to discuss because I think this talks about the bigger picture. This is just one example of the overall you were a little critical of comms Action Com the uh the wellness app, the the breathing and meditation app. You want to talk a little bit about what they chose to do, um, why there might be some pushback from you, and I, I'm 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 happy to hand in my opinion. I'm sure Theo has his as well.
2: Sure, they said that uh, they'd be willing to pay the fines for anyone who wanted to not play in a major because of mental health reasons.
1: Well, I think I think Darren, to be clear, did they the, when you say pay the fines, pay the fines for the athletes that didn't want to be go to the media appearances correct, Still, correct. You're, right. you're not fine if you don't play you can take oh, off yeah,
2: right, right. Pay, pay those fines yes Pay uh, fine. and the problem with that is that uh you know it's just encouraging divisiveness uh, i think we're getting to a point where potentially this will uh speed up the process of working together that naomi actually left the tournament and that's not working together that's uh you are an adversary and you are you are getting fined and then you are having there's a way around it no we need to use this as an impetus to work together and that's why while it's uh well it might have been something that was uh, that people came up with in a board meeting for publicity for com i think it's the wrong thing
1: and i'll you know look uh, my background is sports marketing right darren you critique and you you report on sports marketing it, it, I think it was a brilliant decision if you're trying to drive sales. It was a brilliant decision if there's a segment of people, this is why I shared with Pammy before, who are pro anything Naomi does. They will they will think again, she walks on water, she could do no wrong, they wouldn't agree with us at the beginning of this conversation that she should have handled her initial statement wrong and she should have talked with the tour wrong. But you get to where we're at right now and you get to the fact that both the player and the tour say they're going to work together. That looks like positive change is going to happen. And then after the fact, you have a company as large as Com coming in and saying, well, any player that wants to take off the press conferences for their mental health will pay for them. To Darren's point, and in fairness to his statement that he made, if we're at a place where we're starting to talk, Why are we fanning the flames, even if it's in support of someone taking care of their mental health? Why are we fanning the flames on saying, hey, let's give the big finger to the organizations and the organizing bodies and not work with them because you should just say you get to unilaterally take off. There's better ways to collaborate and work together, especially because we've shown statements from both sides that are are indicative of that. And so, you know, I've seen that unfortunately on social media with 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 uh, nonprofit groups. I've seen it with individuals where it's support the player, support the player, support the player. She can do no wrong. Hear it from the three of us. We are mental health advocates. We want this conversation to move forward. We want to Theo's point in a proactive way. Athletes to not even have to answer to these things, and there to be ways in which they can take off or they have better accommodations when they go to press conferences because we are not there yet, the way moving forward is not to be combative. I talk about this with the, the um, stop stigma campaigns, stop stigma campaigns, when you just shout at people, you need to do this, you need to stop doing that. That doesn't bring us forward, it moves us further into different sides. Theo, anything to add to that?
4: Yeah, it's like I said earlier. We are always in a re- reactionary state, always. Which <clears throat> you know, I think, uh, you know, the level of stigma that's attached to this topic or this subject is always. Uh, when something like this happens, it's reactionary, and when it's reactionary, people aren't thinking, right? And that's why we end up with, you know, a big controversy when the first thing that we should be thinking about is compassion and empathy should be the first two things that are top of mind, right? Is the athlete okay? You know, is the athlete okay? Is the athlete getting the help that they need? And if she isn't, why isn't that in place? Why isn't that support there? Why, what, uh, um, how does she not know that there are supports in place there there may be i don't i don't know that for uh, for sure but but you know here again and face it the majority of the world loves to see people taken down in every whichever especially athletes right or or, or a guy like darren who you know he was a very successful guy, but, you know, the amount of, of abuse, just straight out abuse where, you know, they've never sat with Darren Ravel in a room and seen what a great guy is and how smart he is and, all, you know, all these things.
1: Yeah, you don't, know don't, I mean? don't, don't take into consideration yeah. how much of a heart he has and how much he gives. I'm not yeah. saying that to placate him, but I do that to back him up when people yeah. rip on him because he donates time and he cares about other people.
4: Yeah, exactly. And and ultimately in the mental health space, we need more Darren Revels. That's as, as simple as that, right. You know, uh, Darren has a job to do. He does it very well. You know, uh, I'm a classic shit disturber. So I, I get it. You know, I get it.
2: That's you know? why we work well together.
4: Yeah. You know, and it, but ultimately uh, we all know that the mental health space is completely maxed out, like it's bulging at the scenes. It's exploding and there's not enough skilled people for the amount of people that need help. And that's why we're in this state that we're in is because when people do find the courage and ask for that help, the help isn't there,
1: yep. right? The help's not there, and, and Theo, I, I wanna go circle back as we wrap up here, is, you know, I teed it up for Pam and, and Prim, and I understand why they didn't wanna go there, it, you know, in terms of other public figures who've come to, um, you know, Naomi's back, again, unapologetically and, and, and 110%. The same thing that Darren's talking about with Calm, in being divisive, I think there is the potential – I'm not going to say it's def- – there is the potential that when athletes and people with public figures blindly come to the support one side versus another, it divides us more. Instead of like, – like, again, these basketball players who spoke up, no disrespect, but a lot of your own players have spoken up, have not come to press conferences, have been fined, and then you've said nothing. And 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 that was accepted. And it's cool that you're you're Marshawn in- Lynch.
2: It's all about I'm not here to be fine, but really didn't get anywhere.
1: Yes, and 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 you know, so you look at what happened, and oh well, she did the right thing. She she showed Roland Garros, but again, are you just you know, wasn't, getting- wasn't Marshawn
4: asking for accountability from the media that you just can't throw shit spaghetti against the wall and hopefully it sticks? Wasn't that's how I saw.
1: Marshawn Lynch. I think I know? think it's a. Di- I think the Mar. You know, Marshawn Lynch's situation is is different than what we're talking about here for sure. Um, I think Darren's referring just generally to. No, no, no,
4: no, no. Yeah. Hold on a second.
1: Hold yeah, yeah. On a second. yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
4: If I have to be accountable as an athlete, okay, which means um, whenever you want me to be available, I'm expected to make myself available so that you can ask me questions, okay. But as the guy who's being interviewed, how come I'm not allowed to ask or say, that's a fucking stupid question. That has no fucking revelance in anything that's fucking going on here. Why can't I do that?
1: Well, and I I see athletes always answer like, you know, and I I don't know what the rules are, but I see athletes answer things like, I'm not addressing that, right? Like that, that happened most recently with Capella, making statements and julius randall saying i'm not going to address it he's saying that it's a foregone conclusion they're going to win even though they lost uh the the, the capella's team ended up winning from all his proclamations but you see athletes kind of declining right and, and to your point though theo i think what you're bringing up is the accommodations again how do we work with the leagues to decide what is allowed what's not allowed what can you say back what can't you say back and i think that there's you know certain rules that were in place before and we need to examine those rules i don't i personally don't know them because i wasn't in the media side of things so i'm, I'm you know darren might know him better or theo as a player you might know and it sounds theo from what you're saying like it was at least frowned down upon if you said something like that back to yeah, me
4: like if, if somebody if if a media guy you know in an article challenged my character yeah. then i'm gonna then i'm gonna then I'm going to hold them to accountability. Like, I want proof that I don't have character. Like, I want, I want proof, right? I just don't want you to, to throw spaghetti against the wall that gets eyeballs and clicks and all that by saying something that is completely untrue about me. So, so the, so, the nice. so you're describing
1: though Theo, and 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 the way that you're describing it, and the need for a podcast like this or long form generally anyone's podcast, um, is when you have players who blindly support someone based on one stance that they took. There's no nuance to explain. What you're describing here is the nuance to explain. This is the shit that we deal with when we get asked questions by the media. This is why I think there needs to be changes. This is the types of changes I think need to be, t- take place. Let's discuss. Let's come to a better conclusion. That is not what happens when Naomi on Wednesday says, I'm not participating in media, and you have athletes and big people with platforms saying, good for her, good for her. She's right. I've got her back. She did everything correctly. That doesn't move the conversation forward. You know, and and so I wish there were more athletes like you out there, Theo, who would get into the nuance of these things and not just make statements that are bold statements that you know fifty percent of 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 their followers are going to be like, awesome, they said a great thing, I've got their back,
4: and I'm not stupid to not realize that I need the media as an athlete, I need the media, and even more as a retired athlete and as a mental health advocate i need the media right i need the media to tell my story right and tell it in the right way so that it touches the the right amount of people that are looking for inspiration and and all those things so so i i, I get all that i get all that but where is where where's the fine line like what when do i cross the line when does when does the media cross the line right and it's, and it's about respect, always comes back to respect. And these stupid things that we carry around with us every day have taught us that we don't need to respect anything, anybody, nothing.
1: Yep. And look, you and Darren, I think a good way to end on that statement, Theo, is that you and Darren, as public figures who have strong opinions, and we've shared this before, oftentimes in politics, your opinions are different. Or even if it's just their mental health, what Darren shared today, you are targets for people who think that they can share whatever the hell they want and can say whatever the hell they want to them because they're behind that screen, right? So, this is the the conversation's been awesome. Um, You know, to have Prim and Pam on, you know, at a time like this when the tennis world is the center of the sports and mental health universe is awesome. Um, to have oh, Pam, I
4: love, I love the fact that Pam used the word that we right? use, it, like trauma. You, right? You, you know, me like, you
1: and Darren. For everyone who's listening and 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 won't, won't get a chance to watch, me, you, and Darren are sitting there with this glow on our face. Obviously, not because we're happy for what Naomi's been through. More that because Pam recognized that an athlete can go through trauma without someone dying or a major accident happening. That trauma is unique to the individual and how we experience the world and you know pam explained that what she experienced with the u.s open was traumatic and so i think uh, uh, again a great way to end because it brings us all together it's why the name of the podcast is we're all a little crazy so on behalf of darren vell theo Fleury, our guest pam shriver and Prem Sarepa Pat, uh this has been we're all a little crazy and we will uh speak to you next time. Thanks. You just heard we're all a little crazy brought to you by the hashtag seen here global mental health movement and the hockey podcast network.